three, two, one. From down in the dirty bird. Oh my goodness gracious. The only mustard buzzard podcast on the planet. This is Buzzardry. Here are your hosts, Ben Milam and Patrick McGee. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Buzzardry. It is the only Muster Buzzard podcast on the planet. We are very happy to be back with you. Our first win of the year, Southern Miss Downs Alcorn State 40-14 to to open the season with a victory. We'll talk all about that. We will, of course, break down the Florida State matchup looming next Saturday in Tallahassee or this Saturday in Tallahassee, if you're listening to this on Monday. And we will take a look around the Sun Belt. A couple of interesting results in the Sun Belt to talk about. And we'll also uh, we'll add a few other little tidbits at the end. My name is Ben Milam. I'm here, as always, with my partner, Patrick McGee. Pat, how you doing on this Sunday afternoon? Checking in after a, uh, a 1-0 start on a, on a long weekend. So. Always a good thing. A win is a win is a win. It is Sunday afternoon, September 3rd at the time of this recording. And as I said, we'll put this out tomorrow, Monday the 4th. You'll have, uh, you'll have all week to listen. Before we do get started, want to thank Big Gold Nation for sponsoring this episode. It is the premier inside source for all things Southern Miss athletics. That is southernmiss.rivals.com. Come. All right, Pat, let's get into this uh, 40 to 14 win for Southern Miss. Uh, we both, I think we were, we were in concurrence last week talking about what we wanted to see, at least the big concepts. We, we wanted to see the offense flow. Uh, you described it. You wanted it to be easy. And I think you can say that about the majority of this game. You scored on the first four drives three of them being touchdowns defense was pretty dominant when the first string was in there. Um, offense maybe not quite as easy as you would have liked to see it. I was really encouraged by Billy Wiles. Um, and I, I think the, the run game was on the back burner a little bit, maybe have been part of the game plan, but also it's been mentioned a couple of different times at a couple of different places. But uh, if you were at the game, you saw it. Alcorn State really stacked the box and forced the throw, uh, which, again, Billy Wiles did uh, very well. Let me see if I can – well, we can – we'll go through his individual stats in a second. But Frank Gore Jr. only runs it six times. I think Jerry Clark uh, led that category with nine carries. And you kind of just – yeah, you showed your depth there. You got a lot of uh, the new guys – some uh, playing time, maybe some red shirts, uh, one of their four possible playing games to keep that shirt. So I, I don't know how much you can really learn from this, Pat, but I I think overall um, there were a few little concerns that I pulled out of it, but overall I was encouraged. Yeah, it, it was a good win. I think you look at, um, you know, Wiles kind of maybe being the biggest positive just because he looked pretty good, I thought. And then, you know, you kind of like, oh, yeah, that's a big question that, people kind of took into it was offensive line play was shaky at times. Yeah. Um, you know, you give up, uh, I think it was four total. Yeah. Sacks. Yeah, yeah. Four. Yeah. Yeah. So you give up four, uh, four sacks, um, 
tackles for loss, um, seven tackles seven. for loss. So, yeah. so that was kind of the big thing that people brought up was, um, you know, pass protection. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, Wiles, uh, 21 to 28, over 250 yards, three touchdowns through that one pick, which I mean, maybe wasn't even his fault. I mean, it was kind of a situation where I think it was some miscommunication where maybe Hayes, uh, Brandon Hayes ran the wrong route or was in the wrong spot. And uh, the Alcorn, you know, corner was there and, you know, made the interception. But he looked, I think, pretty dang good, uh, Wiles did. And, he, you know, I think the kind of the biggest play that for, for me, I mean, he didn't have any like Mahomes, Allen type things, which we talked about. It was just kind of competent quarterback play. I guess the pl- play of uh, the game uh, from him for me was that uh, touchdown pass to, to DeGore there. Yeah. Um, where he was kind of rolled out a little bit and then he was kind of looking – Toward the back of the end zone, couldn't find anybody. Then he chucks down to Gore, who's wide open there. Um, then you know, running a more shallow route uh, for the touchdown, and that was something that uh, again, you know, not uh, some amazing play, but just competent quarterbacking, being able to go through multiple reads and check down to Gore for the touchdown, and that's something you really haven't you know had the last several years, and he was able to do that. So that was just that was kind of the big uh, play for him for me. Um, but yeah, offensive line, the big question mark still, uh, defense was, was good. I mean, you had that, uh, that one big play where, yeah, you know, making got out in the space, you know, he's a guy, he's a, a four-star, um, you know, four-star guy out of, uh, out of Missouri there transferred. Um, you know, he not necessarily, I mean, he didn't, he didn't complete a pass there. I mean, he, um, he only played that first half. Um, but you know, he's a four star based on his athleticism, his speed. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, once see it's got like that gets onto space, he was able to house it. Um, and then you had the, the one drive in the second half where I guess it was probably, you know, your your reserves, your third string or so defense came in and Alcorn was able to score fairly easily on that drive. So that was uh, maybe a little bit concerned just kind of how the defense performed uh, on that drive, even though that was, you know, your you know, second or third string. Um, but yeah, I mean it was just a, a good win. Um, not perfect, but Wiles looking good gives people uh, some confidence with with quarterback. It's just kind of um, you know pass protection, offensive line, and then I mean you you struggle to run the ball like you said at times as well. Yeah. Um, but based on how Alcorn was playing their defense, um, but yeah, it was it was good to get a win and uh, plenty of positives, some negatives, but overall a uh, solid day there at, at uh, the Rock. So yeah, I think so too. And uh, I mean Billy Wiles just like you said, just steady. Uh, didn't really didn't really force anything uh, just kind of made the throws that that were there and that's what you need him to be and to me to me just the offense as a whole if if the offensive line can can you know it's hard for me to say take a step forward because this really is the same group that you've had uh, you know minus a few and plus a few uh, but the core is still there and so it you know it might just be what you have I don't know but uh, you know you would you would think there is some progression to be had over the course of a season but I think if you can get that progression if you can get something similar to what you had in those last two games of the year in 2022 I think that's this has the potential to be a really strong offense I think the way that Ty Mims played uh, was really impressive Jacarius Caston looked great Taekwon Henderson um, made a really nice kind of breakaway. Uh, pass catch for his first touchdown was a golden eagle uh, frog Jones got involved um, really really like to see that you kind of you kind of 
got everybody in on the offensive end and you just have so many options there. You feel like if you can do that consistently, it's going to be hard to slow you down. But I think what, yeah, I mean, what we're talking about, it's, it, it really does to me come down to the offensive line. If the offensive line is just so, so then I think you're going to have maybe a so, so offense an average offense, but if it, if they can really, you know, come together and be what on paper they should be, uh, with the experience and and I think the talent that that is there, you can have uh, kind of an upper tier offense in the Sun Belt. I, I think, I think I saw that potential even in the struggles uh, against Alcorn State, and that's and again, they were trying to force Southerners to be very one dimensional. Plus the fact that you would assume that Coach Hall didn't really you know, go past the second or third page in the playbook, so to speak, uh, to, to maybe try and hide some things for Florida State and Tulane uh, over the next couple of weeks. But offense as a whole, Patrick, in terms of potential, do you feel like you kind of came away with the same thing? Yeah, and I, I think you kind of go back to the offensive line. I mean, they played a lot of guys. I mean, they yeah. were they, they did not have kind of a, a set five through that first half. I mean, I think they probably played nine or ten guys there. I mean, I would have to go back and, and watch the film. Um so, yeah, I mean, I guess that would be, I mean, typically in a, once you get in the league play, like when you get to, you know, to like a South Alabama type game, a big conference game, I mean, you're going to be playing the same five throughout the game, right? It's not going to be kind of the cycling in and out. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I, and I think you also look at Auckland, like you said, they try to make you in one dimensional. I think, you know, they throw a lot, I mean, they seem like they're blitzing a lot. I, that's another thing where you have to go back and watch the film, but it seems like they were sending seven or eight for a lot of these, um, you know, sacks or near sacks uh, that they had. They might have shown some things that, you know, they weren't expecting, um, you know, just kind of watching film. Um, so that's, you know, another thing we talk about the offensive line where, again, where you're going to be playing the same five once you get deeper into, I mean, really starting next week. I don't think against Florida State you're going to be, you know, throwing out nine or ten different guys there. Um in the first half. So I think you're going to get, you would hope to get more consistency as you kind of just come together with the five, the right five guys out there um, as well as kind of just cleaning up some things after week one and, you know, picking up blitzes better and that, and that kind of thing. But um, I I think um, again, if you can, like you said, get what you got those last two weeks, of uh, of 2022 with how Wiles played yesterday, man. Again, FCS opponent, uh, but you know we complete 75 percent of his passes, and it just kind of looks like a guy that can, again, not going to make any just wow plays, but I mean, just kind of things he showed yesterday. He's going to be able to keep the chains moving, mm-hmm. and you know, again, kind of a game manager quarterback that I mean, really based on look like you. I mean, like you said, you got a lot of people involved yesterday. Um, to where you you know you have enough weapons to where yeah he just needs to be a game manager yeah um so yeah the, there is um again yeah reason to be optimistic uh but yeah I mean again it just kind of repeating but it all comes down to the offensive line playing how those guys gel over the next several weeks and how they um you know come out with the right five guys um instead of you know going nine or ten deep um like they did yesterday uh, I think a couple of guys. More worth mentioning, Davis Dalton uh, got some play in that second half, made a couple of really nice plays. Um, I, I think he is going to earn more playing time as we get deeper into the year. Kind of end up in that slot spot as a kind of a big option out of the slot. Uh, I really like 
you know, he, he's got great hands, athletic, kind of sneaky, fast, and almost like a sort of a hybrid tight end out of that slot spot with the big body, uh, can go up in high point stuff. And got to mention Andrew Stein, four for four, uh, hit a 52-yarder, which is really encouraging because you, I mean, Briggs Bourgeois has obviously been your starter for a number of years and you lose him. Um, but, that, I mean, that's a that's a big deal to have that weapon and if he can be – consistent especially from distance uh that that's a significant boost to your offense uh something that's likely at some point going to play late in games as it always does so that was really encouraging to me um defensively pat some guys we were really watching were the newer guys on the back end mentioned dylan lawrence and um jay stanley kind of stole the show i mean he was he was really really good I thought he looked a little more um, maybe a step faster than last year, made some really, really strong tackles as well. When he came up to the line, they, they blitzed him a couple of different times. And so I think Jay Stanley kind of is probably going to be the leader of the defense in some facet. And that, you know, that was to be expected um, preseason all conference guy. Uh, and on top of that, your linebackers, I thought looked really good. Hayes Maples, Really strong game. I don't have – see if I can find the – yeah, so Maples, a couple of tackles, Bozeman a tackle. Um, both of those guys I thought looked uh, looked strong. Uh, I, I think the deep, the depth of the defense kind of showed itself. I mean, even even you kind of played those back-end guys, uh, I, I, thought, I thought you just looked like a more complete team on both sides of the ball uh, is kind of what I, what I just – you come to in terms of personnel uh, was yeah, really impressed. And just going back to the potential, if you flip it to the other side of the football, I think there was concern about whether or not you would be able to carry some of that momentum and competitiveness that Austin Armstrong had those first two years, the two years that he was here. And I, I think Dan O'Brien um, has pieced together a pretty strong roster and, and seems to have kind of carried that, that torch pretty efficiently. Yeah, I think he's a ball corn, uh, 5.3 yards per play. And, and I guess, you know, if you go back and 75 of those were on that one run. So, I mean, I feel like he kind of dominated, um, aside from that one play where, you know, making broke, broke off the 75 yard run. And, uh, you know, it's hard to, you know, really make much of a judgment, on yeah. the defense after this game. I mean, you look at Macon did not complete a single pass. You know, he's a good athlete, but, I mean, probably not a great passer. Um, and then they brought in Aaron Allen, who was a transfer from Louisiana Tech guy we kind of talked about, who was, you know, started uh, against USM in 2021. He completed a couple passes. So, I mean, it's really hard to know what the secondary is like, you know, playing a team. I mean, we, again, we talked about Alcorn was primarily a running team. They ran about two-thirds of the time last year in FCS. You know, and they ran or two thirds of the time, top fifteen in FCS. Um, and you know, they primarily ran the ball in this game. So, I mean, you really don't know anything about the secondary run. Uh, uh, defensive interior uh, looked pretty solid for the most part. Uh, you know, you had D'Amico rolling in there a lot for you know he kind of filled the role that Armandus Cooley uh, would have played with 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 his injury. So. I mean, these next two weeks, you're going to be playing Jordan Travis. You're going to be playing Michael Pratt, and uh, that's going to we're going to learn a a lot about the secondary. Yeah. Um, you know, again over the next you know two weeks, and then you know later in the season. But 
overall, the secondary, they, they did well enough against a, a limited passing game. And then, you know, your run defense outside of one play, they were pretty good. So, Yeah. Pat, anything else on Alcorn State and move on to the Seminoles? A uh, good crowd. You know, we always got to talk about the uh, the crowd. And, you know, you had 30, uh, I think it was 30 or over 30,000. It was like 3,335 or something like that. And, uh, you know, really first when um, the game started, I mean, it looked like there might have been more Alcorn fans there uh, than USM fans. And it was able to fill in as he, we got deeper kind of in, in the first quarter. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's kind of the reason you play the Alcorns and JSUs that they bring sure. um, a, a lot of fans there. And they have solid fan bases at the FCS yes. level. Um, so, yeah, it was good atmosphere. And, you know, you kind of look at Tulane. It's, um, I think win or lose, or regardless of what Tulane does and, uh, and what USM does, um, this upcoming week, I think, you know, you would hope to have 31, 32, maybe 33, though, you push a little bit. Um, but yeah, just, you know, it was a good Saturday, good atmosphere there um, at the run. So. All right. We have done a little mini preview in our uh, season preview episode, but just to rehash a couple of things, I mean, most people are already going to be aware of most of this, but Florida State finished 10 and three last year, five and three in the ACC. And it was sort of uh, Mike Norvell's coming out party, uh, sort of the revitalization season for Florida State. And a lot of people have them marked down as a, a playoff contender, uh, finished the season in 2022 with six straight wins, beat Oklahoma in the Cheez-It Bowl. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a, a great game. Uh, Jordan Travis, uh, they're all everything quarterback is back for another year and High expectations for him along with the team. Um, we are, again, recording this on Sunday afternoon, so we'll we'll learn a little bit about Florida State, I think, uh, tonight against LSU. But I think regardless of how this game goes tonight, this is – yeah, I mean, it's it goes without saying. It's going to be a really, 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 really tough game. Yeah, I mean, like you said, just doing that over your ten win team a year ago, and they bring a lot back. And I think, I think it does start with Jordan Travis. Uh, I mean, he's a guy that started his career at uh, at Louisville, and he's an older player, so I mean, maybe want to be a uh, a huge draft prospect. But I've seen him stuff some stuff that would have him as a, like a second round um, pick. Possibly, he was a guy who threw over three thousand yards a year ago, twenty four touchdowns, only five interceptions. So I mean, he's one of the best quarterbacks. I mean. Maybe not one of the most like talented, you know, not on the level of like a Caleb Williams or Drake May, uh, but in terms of just productive, I think he can be one of the more productive quarterbacks um, in college football. And you kind of look at the, their receivers. So they have two receivers that have a chance to go there in the first round, um, or at least you know maybe maybe second round. You look at Johnny Wilson and and, uh, and Keon Coleman and Keon Coleman, a transfer from Michigan State, he's six four. Um, and then Johnny Wilson's, I guess, six, seven. So they got two really, really big receivers there. Um, and then you, you look at the front seven. And when we talked about offensive line, I mean, your offensive line is going to be tested because you're going up against Jared Verse. Uh, and then, you know, you also talk about guys like Fabian Lovett, uh, that, you know, he may be not a first round type like a, a versus, but he's going to go somewhere, you know, maybe round two or round three. But I mean, versus a guy, again, uh, someone that could have maybe gone in the back of the first round. Um, this uh, last season in the draft came back and, you know, he's, you know, projected to go top 10. I've even seen him some stuff that would, you know, maybe, I mean, he won't win the Heisman, but some people are saying, oh, this guy, he could be like a dark horse, dark horse. 
uh, Heisman candidate if he racks up a ton of sacks. So really talented. Got transferred from Albany, actually. So he was kind of, I mean, just very lightly pretty guy, you know, kind of blew up in Albany, then transferred to FSU. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they have, a um, again, a roster that, I mean, if you just, like, look at the the talent composite, they're 19th, which, you know, wouldn't suggest that, you know, maybe there is, you know, are they, you know, people will say, well, if they're only 19th, well, what are people talking about? But they got guys, again, like a verse that wasn't, weren't highly recruited that, that have, you know, played above their high school star rating, which is what the talent composite is based on. And, again, uh, uh, the roster probably not good enough to compete for a national title yet in terms of, you know, still a tier below, you know, your your Georgia's, your Alabama's, your Ohio State's. But uh, a roster that I think is definitely capable of winning the ACC, and if they win the ACC, they're probably going to get in the playoff. Um, so Norvell has um, built them up into the season, I guess, on a six- or seven-game win streak after they lost three in a row there. Uh, middle of the season and um you know they're kind of back to where florida state wants to be which is you know competing for acc championships and then you know getting in that in that playoff mix um so yeah yeah really good team um you know we'll see you know i think we'll you know learn what they're uh you know a, a little bit about them tonight against lsu there in orlando uh but i think when you when you look at the line i, I, would, I would expect that to come out on monday morning i mean if you, it's hard to or I guess it's, it's a little easier to, uh, to kind of gauge what the line is just because you can kind of look at the S&P ratings and then subtract, you know, the uh, USM from Florida State. And if you do that, I mean, you would get, you know, kind of a line around 30, um, 30 to maybe 33. So that's what I would expect the line to come out at. Um, but, yeah, yeah, again, a really good team. I think this is the best team on the on the schedule. And, uh, again, a, a team that, you know, has a chance to make the playoff. So. In terms of what Southern Miss needs to do to win, Patrick, because I, I think it's it's easy to look at this game and just say, okay, well, Southern Miss has no chance. And, it, you know, maybe it is a small chance, but I think you always – I think there's always a chance. But, I mean, Southern Miss is obviously going to have to play pretty close to perfect. Uh, but just quick things that stand out to you coming in a little – Blind on this, I guess. I mean, the, again, the one game for Southern Miss, FCS opponent, Florida State has not played yet at the time of this recording. But what jumps out to you? Yeah, you're going to have to win the turnover battle, and that's just kind of the lazy cop-out thing to say. <laughs> you know, you got you to win the turnover battle by two or three. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, you're going to have to – if you're going to have a chance to at least be competitive in this one, I mean, you're going to have to give Billy Wiles time to throw the football. I mean, the, if the offensive line plays like it did against Alcorn, I mean, you know, you get a five sacks from FSU yeah. in this game. Um, so I think protecting Wiles, uh, and developing or establishing the run, I think, you know, you're going to want to dominate time of possession. You're going to, you're going to want to keep the ball away from Florida State. So if you can keep the chains moving kind of through the ground game, if you can get Gore and Clark some carries and if they can get, you know, some holes there in the run game, I think that'd be just to, you know, that'll keep the clock moving, especially now with, um, first downs, they don't stop the clock after first downs now. So that. Um, you know, that kind of helps, you know, the underdogs in that respect where you, if you can keep the clock running more that you can gain more time possession, keep the ball away from the favorite team. So I think it, it does come down a lot to offensive line play just in terms of, you know, keeping Wiles upright, um, but also, you know, creating a, creating a run game there um, with Gore and Clark uh, to kind of keep the ball away from the Seminoles. Uh, but I think realistically, this is a game where you kind of look at, at halftime. If you can stay within two touchdowns, 
Uh, and then, you know, let's say Florida State kind of pulls away there in the second half and wins like, you know, maybe 42 to 17 or something like that. And that would likely cover the spread. I'm thinking the spread is going to be around 30. Um, and, you know, I think you would look at ACC play. I think FSU, they're going to beat probably a couple of, or a couple ACC teams by more than 25. Sure. So I think you would say that would be a pretty decent result. Keep guys healthy. Um, and then just kind of, you know, show some flashes of town. You know, Florida State, they're very likely going to get theirs um, throughout the game. Uh, sure. But if you can, you know, show some, you know, Wiles can make a few throws, offensive line does some things where they're not, you know, um, Florida State isn't in the backfield every single play. Yeah. Um, and just kind of individual players showing some flashes. I think those are just things you can take some uh, some positives away from. Um, so that's, that's just kind of how I see it. Yeah, and you're going to you're gonna have to sustain some long drives. Um, you know, when I was at some point this week kind of imagining what that would even look like for Southern Miss to beat Florida State, uh, read a really interesting stat. Under Mike Norvell, um, Florida State is 1-12 for one and 12 against teams that have a quarterback that go above 65% completion percentage. So hmm. – Billy Wiles, I think, I think is, um, you know, you like what you saw for him last week and kind of is that type of quarterback. Uh, they, you know, at least in the past under Mike Norvell have struggled against accurate quarterbacks. And so you need, you need Wiles to be that in order to sustain drives and, and keep your defense off the field. Uh, and then I think avoid the big play. Um, you know, they're going to try to take the top off the defense. I would, I would imagine a pretty good bit with with the athleticism and speed they have at wide receiver. Um, and then I think, yeah, I mean, I, I'm with you, Pat. I, I think I think you should realistically qualify this as maybe not a successful game because in this case it would be a loss. But if you can if you can you know beat the beat the spread and keep this you know at, at some point in the second half feel like. You know, if you get a turnover here or a turnover there, then you know you make things interesting, make them sweat a little bit. I, I think you would you would qualify that as as a successful, um, or at least a, an okay result if you want to say it that way. So, obviously, uh, yeah, the tall tall mountain to climb. It's you're again, you're going to have to play really well. You're going to have to have a lot of breaks go your way, uh, which is always tough to do on the road um, against a power five opponent. You're probably going to have plenty of calls not go your way. And so you're going to have to, to play through that. Uh, I think Frank Gore Jr. is going to have to have a pretty unbelievable uh, performance, you know, in order to, again, sustain some of those drives. So uh, yeah, Pat, uh, we've kind of run through all the things it takes to win just a general football game. Um, and I think, I think like you, like you said, I think, I think I'm looking specifically at the defense in this game uh, and seeing how they hold up against, a guy like Jordan Travis and athletes like Florida state is going to have across the field um, because it'll, it'll be a much better measuring stick than you had against Alcorn state. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and look, Travis is the guy he could run too. So I yes. mean, you'll get a, at least, you know, a pretty good, uh, you know, barometer value. You can defend mobile quarterbacks. Um, but yeah, looking forward to seeing the secondary again. I mean, you're going to be playing a, a six, four guy. And a six seven guy, and you know the the hall. I mean Armstrong and um, uh, I'm you know Dan O'Brien is probably going to be the same way. They like playing that press man coverage, and it, it's tough to be, you know when you're going up against receivers that big. It's tough to it's tough to beat them there on the line. Yeah. So, 
Um, so we'll yeah, we'll see how that goes. And it's um, you know, it's fun. It's you know, uh, people going to the game. You know, you go into a, a big, uh, you know, one of the, you know, cathedrals of college football there, um, at uh, at Florida State uh, at the Doke, and um, you know, it's it's going to be. I would think it's going to be a pretty nice atmosphere, just because it'll be their home opener. Obviously, tonight's game is in Orlando. It'll be at, at you know a prime time game there at seven thirty. So I'm expecting a really nice nice crowd yeah really good atmosphere and um you know you hope you go up there show some so show some good things stay healthy yeah uh cover the spread and uh you know deposit the check make sure that you don't have like a the check doesn't bounce on uh yeah. on whatever app on whatever app they use to do that so um uh but yeah it'll uh they're yeah. on saturday at florida state so yeah should be a lot of fun man pat anything else before we uh, take a look at the Sun Belt? In week one. Uh, I think that is it. All right, that's it. it. Okay, yeah. So Sun Belt, uh, all fourteen teams in action on uh, on week one. Um, so yeah, Georgia State, Rhode Island, Georgia State. That was a close game there on Thursday. I think Rhode Island's a top twenty-five FCS team, but Georgia State does uh, squeak that out, forty-two to thirty-five. There on Thursday in Atlanta, uh, and then getting into Saturday, I guess Oklahoma beats Arkansas State seventy-three to nothing, and that was the game where I mean, certainly you would expect uh, Oklahoma to win that, uh, but not necessarily uh, by that margin. So yeah, really tough opener there for uh, for Butch Jones, and um, you know, we'll well, I guess we'll get into the next week for Arkansas State when we do, but you know, maybe that's the game you you see is a little more likely to win after uh, after that performance on. On Saturday, App State beats Gardner Webb. That was a close game for a while. Uh, they win that forty-five to twenty-four over Gardner Webb, um, and they lost Ryan Berger. Don't know how serious his injury was. Um, Joey Aguilar came in and played. He goes eleven thirteen hundred seventy-four uh, yards and four touchdowns. So he played pretty well. So I don't know if uh, you know, depending on the severity of that injury, Aguilar might be the new uh, starter there for App State. Uh, but uh, Georgia Southern beats the Citadel thirty-four nothing. Um, James Madison 38 3 over Bucknell, which was a close game for a little while, 17 3 at the half. Um, and uh, from what I understand, Alonzo Barrett, who started a quarterback for Jamie, did play well to go to Jordan McLeod. He goes 7 of 11 for 144 yards, two touchdowns. So they could, uh, you know, regroup there with that quarterback battle. We'll see how that goes, um, uh, in the coming weeks. A Marshall scrapes by. Albany 21-17. That was a game where Albany had a 10-0 lead there early in the third quarter. And uh, Marshall was able to score 14 unanswered there uh, at the end of the third quarter and then in the fourth quarter uh, to win that. So close game against Albany, which is uh, an okay FCS opponent. Um, but, you know, not necessarily um, a great one. And But uh, Marshall was able to win that. Uh, 21 to 17. So I don't know. Maybe not Marshall down a little bit down the power rankings at the Sun Belt after that one. Uh, but uh, ULM beats Army. Nice win for ULM. Army kind of transitioning a little bit away from that, from that uh, the triple option. Although they only attempted uh, Army did 11 passes um, in this game. Though I guess that would be more than you know the typical or the typical triple option team. But yeah, um, our our ULM was at 17 13. So that that was a good win over Army there. Um, uh, and then I guess the, the game of the week uh, or upset of the week in college football, Texas State beats Baylor 42-31. to 31. Yeah. And, you know, we kind of talked to – and really, I mean, I guess you kind of look at the takeaway. Um, if you're going to take a takeaway from college football generally this week is, you know, the era of this tra- – the, the transfer portal, the remaking your roster in one year, especially now with the rules where you can, you know, sign as many guys 
um, as you want. Um, in one offseason, you know, they lifted the 25 uh, max. So you can just remake your roster in one year, and you look at Colorado beating TCU and then Texas State beating Baylor, teams that, you know, were really not very good at all last year, and they pull off big upsets. But Texas State wins this 42-31. T.J. Finley, 22 at 30, 298 yards. Uh, transfer from Auburn, who had been at LSU. And, uh, I mean, yeah, like Texas State was a 26-and-a-half point underdog. Biggest um, – Biggest spread or a biggest underdog that's won, I think, in two years since maybe Kansas over Texas back in 2021. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you look at Baylor was a team that, you know, I think people thought was, you know, Big 12 team capable of going to a bowl. So a uh, really nice win there for Texas State um, at Baylor. And then we'll get into, you know, next week for Texas State. Um, they have another big game. Uh, but it's certainly a team that, you know, I don't know if you say that they're going to be able to compete for the conference just yet, but. I mean, you know, certainly if you're just doing a pure power rankings after week one, you have to put them at the top because they have the best win of all, any team in the conference. Yeah. Um, so, you know, really great start for them, good win for the league. Uh, Troy, uh, 48-30 against Stephen F. Austin. Stephen F. Austin's a pretty good FCS team. Um, but just based on Stephen F. Austin's scoring 30, I mean, you're going to see, I think, that Troy defense step off or or step down a little bit just based on what they lost. Um uh, a year ago. Um, so, yeah, Troy wins, but defense looks like it's, you know, progressed a little bit from last year just based on those losses. Um, and then uh, Tulane uh, beat South Al 37-17. And uh, that that was one where you maybe expected to be a little closer. South was able to get it to 24-17 early or midway through the third. And then, you know, Tulane was able to score, uh, you know, on, on a touchdown and two field goals to kind of, you know, put it away. And, you know, went fairly comfortably. And Pratt, Michael Pratt goes 14 of 15 for 294 yards, four touchdowns. He played a near-perfect game. And, um, I mean, you know, 294 yards on, on just uh, 15 compl- – or 15 attempts, 14 completions. That's pretty dang impressive. Um, so, yeah, Tulane wins that 37-17. Uh, Virginia Tech beat Old Dominion 36-17 there. That was, that was close for about a half. Uh, before Virginia Tech uh, pulled away, it was 16-10 at the half, and then um, Virginia Tech uh, outscored ODU 20-7 to uh, the seven there in the second half to win that. And then uh, ULL won against Northwestern State 38-13. Um, so, yeah, it, the league goes 12. And, oh, I'm sorry, the last game, I almost missed it. It was, it was so late. Um, UCLA uh, beats Coastal 27-13. Um, and yeah, uh, McCall goes 27 to 42, 271 yards, one touchdown, two picks. I thought that could have been a little more of a shootout, but uh, Coastal not as great on offense in this one. Uh, they lose 27 13. They did cover, I think the line was at 15 and a half, but they do lose that. Um, uh, so a pretty good week for the league going 12 and two. You lose, um, uh, two games that I think you know are two games that you were, you know, underdogs in with uh, South Allen or uh. South Island Tulane, which you know maybe expected to be a little closer in that one. You lose Coastal and UCLA, which which was a bye game, but Coastal covers, and then you get the big upset of uh, Texas State over Baylor. You win a 50-50 game with Army or a ULM and Army. Um, so a uh, pretty good week for the league. You handle business. No embarrassing bye game losses where you lose into an FCS team. Um, so pretty good week, and then we'll get into week two. Uh, Troy goes to K State. That'll be an interesting game to see where Troy is going up against the defending Big 12 champions there in Manhattan. That's 11 a.m. on Fox Sports 1. Uh, GMU goes to Virginia. GMU is a six-and-a-half-point favorite in this one at Charlottesville um, against Virginia. Virginia lost pretty badly to uh, to Tennessee there in Nashville. 
Um, so that that's a chance for the league to you know collect another Power Five win there. Um, and then uh, maybe I don't know if you say this is game of the week, but just based on what they did at Baylor, they're going Texas State going to UTSA. We're talking about a UTSA team that just lost at, at Houston 17-14. But if Texas State is able to um to beat Baylor, a Big Twelve team that you know people thought was going to go to a bowl. And then a UTSA team, which has been one of the better group of five teams the last couple of years, a team that's projected to finish second in the AC, you know, have maybe an outside chance to be the group of five representative. I mean, if they could go two and zero with that schedule, both of those on the road, I mean, you'd have to say they're a, a factor there in in the division and in the conference. So, very yeah. curious to see if Texas State can prove that Baylor win wasn't a fluke, and even if they don't win, if they can just you know go up there and really compete, I think that would be um, you know a sign of that they're you know here to stay. Um, in the league, um, in, the, in the league race. Uh, then you have uh, Marshall going to um, ECU, old CUSA battle there, um, Sunbelt versus AAC. That's one you want to win. ECU went to Michigan, lost 30-3, to so tough to really say what they are going to, up against, you know, a, a team that's been in the playoff the past couple of years and is expected to compete for a playoff berth again this year. Uh, South Alabama, Southeast Louisiana, who, you know, Southeastern, good FCS team. Uh, competed pretty well up in Starkville for about a half before State pulled away. Uh, but, yeah, again, that's when South should win. Uh, App State goes to UNC. Um, we'll see how that App State quarterback uh, kind of picture looks after the injury and after the backup look good. But, you I mean, UNC just uh, beat South Carolina by a couple touchdowns there in that kickoff game in Charlotte. Drake May, quarterback for UNC, has a chance to go, you know, really high in the draft. So that's a tough one for App on the road. Um uh, Georgia Southern has UAB, uh, kind of first real game for Trent Dilfer. They beat North Carolina A&T in the opener. Um, and then, you know, Georgia Southern kind of talked about them as a dark horse just based on Davis Brand, experienced quarterback um, there. They brought in a bunch of transfers. Um, they're also beyond Brand. So, uh, but again, it's something about AAC. You always want the Sunbelt to win in those games. So that's in Statesboro um, at five. Um, and then first conference game, uh, you have ULL going to Old Dominion. Uh, and then you have uh, – so, yeah, that's the first – and that's an interdivisional game. Uh, so, you would want, just based on league standings, you want ODU to win that. You want the West – you want the East teams to beat the West teams, you know, because you're competing against the West teams, obviously, in that division race. Um, uh, Coastal hosts uh, Jacksonville State. Jacksonville State is 2-0 and on the year. They beat uh, UTEP, and then they beat, uh, I think, an FCS team yesterday. But, uh, again, a transitionary year for Jacksonville State. But Coastal host of Jacksonville State, you would hope – uh, Coastal Carolina can handle that. Uh, Georgia State uh, hosts UConn. UConn, uh, they lost their opener at NC State, but it was a close one there on Thursday night. Uh, and again, Georgia Southern, they struggled um, against uh, against Rhode Island. Uh, but Georgia State is actually favored in the game four and a half. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Um, Arkansas State hosts Memphis. Um, and again, we'll see if um, you know Arkansas State I mean, it can't get much worse than how they play on Saturday. Memphis twenty one and a half point favorite Oops. on that one in uh, in Jonesboro. Memphis played Bethune Cookman won that fifty six to seven I believe. Um, so that that's a swag opponent. So we'll see if um, Arkansas State can look a little bit better, a little bit better in that game. Kind of a mid south rivalry. I think that's an hour and a half drive between those two. And then uh, ULM hosting Lamar. And Lamar is typically not a really good Southland opponent there in FCS. So I would expect ULM uh, to open up two and zero. Uh, so yes, some. A uh, mix of, uh, you know, some buy games, several buy games in the USM in that picture as well. Oh, by, by the way, I just here we got, we do we have a line on the uh, on the FSU game. FSU 27 on half point favorite. 
So yeah. a little, I thought I said just kind of based on the S and P number, it would be around thirty. So a little lower than that. That could, I mean, it's that's going to fluctuate, you know, based on how Florida State does against LSU. If they win, you know, that's you know that line's going to go up. If they lose, you know, maybe go down a little bit. But yeah, twenty-seven and a half is your line uh, opening line there with Florida State and USM. So, do you remember what the line was for the Miami game last year? Somewhere around that twenty-three, maybe. Yeah, I think it was like low twenties, maybe. I could probably look it up. Um, we'll see. Yeah. Well, while you're looking that up, um, the only thing I would add to that, the other got a big game of interest is Tulane twenty five and a half. Twenty five and a half. Okay. All right. So pretty similar. Um, Tulane hosting Ole Miss in New Orleans next Saturday or this Saturday. That is, uh, yeah, obviously you're going to get a, a good look at Tulane. I think you got a good look at them yesterday, uh, Saturday. I thought they looked really, really good against South Al. I thought South Al looked pretty good for the majority of that game, maybe outside of the fourth quarter. Uh, but you'll probably learn a little bit more about the Green Wave in that game. That's a 3-30 game, I believe. And so you will pr- probably be able to catch some of that if you are going to Tallahassee or uh, obviously if you're, not going, you'll be able to watch that as well. But um, we will uh, – I, I think you can maybe gauge expectations a little bit more after that game. That's a big test for both Tulane and Ole Miss. Pat, that's all I've got uh, to add on that. Anything else of interest in uh, week two of the Sun Belt before we kind of wrap it up here? Uh, I think that is it. And then we'll, we'll get, I guess, to a couple more just kind of quick notes um i guess smu we wanted to just smu's going to the acc and that you know um it's now been rumored or or multiple reports that aac is going to target army maybe to replace smu you get that army navy robbery in the aac so i don't know what that does kind of for the the hierarchy of the sunbelt versus the aac but we, we did want to mention that um where smu i mean they were never really all that great in the aac had a couple decent seasons where you know maybe they went seven and five or eight and four but it's kind of just more of a potential pick, uh, a market pick at Dallas, you know, TD yeah. market obviously being very lucrative. Um, and then so Army, we'll see what they can do in the AC if that indeed happens. Um, and then uh, and then we missed this last week. This was happened two weeks ago. Uh, Middle Tennessee added to the football schedule in 2028 and 2030. It'll be 2028 in Hattiesburg, 2030 in Murfreesboro. Um, and, you know, it's um, – it's, you know, it is what it is. I think um, people were kind of – some people were scratching their head. at you scheduling a non-Louisiana Tech um, CUSA team, um, you know, a team that uh, – you know, USM has not a whole lot of success against USM's 0-4 all the time against Middle Tennessee, actually. Um, but, uh, you know, just kind of – you get into scheduling philosophy things and um, you kind of think, well, instead of scheduling like a Middle Tennessee, will you rather schedule like a, a MAC team – or like a Mountain West team that they didn't play, like just kind of mixing things up. Someone like a, you know, a Toledo or an Ohio or a Wyoming. Because I was just kind of watching Wyoming last night uh, play Texas Tech there on CBS, and that kind of, you know, be like, yeah, that's going to be a cool place to watch a college football game. Um, so you know, it, it is what it is. It's not a super exciting opponent, but it's a, it's a drivable game. It's you know close to Nashville, and uh, but yeah, they'll be on the you know, schedule there in twenty twenty eight and twenty thirty. So. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, you would hope that that is a winnable game, and you also, you know, probably you just kind of have to mix in a few opponents like that because you you do take away a lot of regional opponents. I mean, it, it kind of works like 
like we've talked about in baseball uh, where, you, you know, you've had a lot of those midweek games and some of those non-conference series uh, with teams like South Alabama and Louisiana Lafayette that you, you just have to fill in those spaces with uh, maybe some not so glamorous opponents, but uh, 2028 is a long way away. feels yeah. like it is, but it'll probably be here pretty quick. <laughs> yeah. All right, Pat, uh, anything else before we wrap it up? Maybe we'll, we'll do some questions next week after, uh, after the FSU game, but anything this week we need to touch on? Uh, Rest in peace, Jimmy Buffett. Yes, uh, yeah. You know, Southern Miss alum. Uh, and, you know, I mean, the most famous Southern Miss alum. I mean, he was a guy, I think, you know, just based on everything, all of his, his music and, uh, you know, real estate ventures and business ventures. I mean, he was probably worth billions. I mean, you talk about, um, you know, most famous worldwide USM alum, and he, he passes away yeah. uh, there on on Friday night. So that, that was sad to see. I've, I've been a fan of Jimmy yeah. Buffett. Uh, for a long time. But I think, you know, you kind of just look at this whole Gulf South region. I mean, he's a big deal um, in this part of the, in this part of the country. Um, so that, that was sad to see. And you had the, the Margaritaville sing along yesterday, uh, which was great. you know, you've seen a lot of uh, people, you know, around the university honoring him. Uh, so just wanted to mention that rest in peace, Jimmy Buffett, uh, yep. you know, a musical legend, Southern Miss legend. And it is uh, sad to see him go. Yeah, absolutely. Glad you caught that. That will do it for another episode of Buzzardry. We will be back with you likely uh, Sunday. We'll we'll, uh, release on Monday of next week. We'll plan on that being the schedule moving forward, and we hope to have you back with us then. This has been another episode of Buzzardry. That is Patrick McGee. My name is Ben Milam. We'll see you next time. This has been Buzzard Dream. Thanks for listening, and be sure to share and leave a review. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at Buzzard Dream Pod for all you need to know about the show. See you next time.